Another episode of Free Kick with Fantasy W Podcast. I'm your host, Jono, and uh, look, let's let's get into our wrap of round two. The Free Kick team has been absolutely pulled straight back down to earth after a very, very solid round one. Things have not gone quite as well in round two. I'm going to check in with our co-hosts. Liam, do you want to start us off here? How did you go in round one? In round two, sorry. All bad. All very, very bad. Only scored... A measly 985 points, a round rank of 1,500. I don't think we need specifics at that point. It's bad enough. <laughs> and I've slipped exactly 200 places to 224. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big loss there. First first score under 1,000 for the season for you? It is, and but I also did the same thing last season. Round two was an absolute stinker. I think I might have only just cracked 900 that week as well. You definitely weren't alone down there. I was actually our worst scorer for the week with a 951, absolutely putrid there. And I've got no one to blame except myself. I think if I hadn't traded at all, I would have had about 100 extra points on field. So I think that was consistent across all of us, though, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty atrocious. But it was, it was good that I could, you know, I was, I was away this weekend up at Mount Buller, so good to head out and ski and just forget everything behind me. That was really nice. Uh, Will, we might jump over to you. How did you go for the week? You know what, I, w- I was feeling a bit... Uh down on myself but in the end i actually uh pulled through and got the highest score of a lot of us so i got 1078 which was better than my oh. score last week for a round rank of 412th and moving up in the overall rank to 452nd consistency is the key i reckon here and i'm slowly working my way up <laughs> not bad the only one of us to move up rank i think it's a it's a good effort it's a good effort yeah, very happy with that yeah and finally, we've got Mel. Mel, you were our top-ranked coach last week. How did you back up your third-place performance? Yeah, look, I'm I'm still top 50, which I'll take, but I've definitely slipped. Uh, I came out with a score of 1,022, so not too great, meaning my overall rank was in the thousands as well. But I'm just very thankful that I had such a good week one because it means I'm actually still decently ranked after round two. But... I think I'm going to be doing some specky moves this round to, to hopefully keep me up there. That does show that once again, there's not many points between uh, the ranks because there's only 50 points between you and my score and that's 600 round rank. Yeah. Hmm. Anyone's games. Very early. Very early oh. times. A fifth of the way through. Absolutely. We also have our free kickers team, which is come in and outscored me this week, which is, is not a great feeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. 978. Um <laughs> And look, a lot of that came down to the Hawks captain, Tilly Lucas Rod, scoring 120 plus for them. So, you know, if I have to lose to the free kick team, I'm happy for that to be the reason why. <laughs> if you wanted to keep your rank, it seems as if par this week was around, you know, 1,050. I think if you wanted, if you were in 100th spot last week and you were hoping to stay in 100th spot this week, you needed to score 1,067 points to do so. So I think only Will is the one who topped yes. that this week. Yes, so above par. Hold on there. <laughs> Huzzah. Uh, for everyone everyone out there, you're currently looking to chase down the Gorn Stars sitting in that 100th spot marker. So good luck holding on to that. And congratulations to Conti Roll, who's currently sitting in first place at a, at a very nice score for the week. All right, let's jump into who got our plus threes and minus threes for us this week. Liam, do you want to start us off? Who's your plus three for the round? My plus three goes to the one and the only, and I think for the second week in a row, Piggy Parker. Elise Parker coming out against a pretty tough to score against Brisbane and just deciding that she wanted the ball more than everybody else. It was a treat to watch. Yeah, I think Parker was was an absolute unit on the weekend. Just all those cheap kick marks. She runs so hard for them, and I love to see it. On the, on the other side of things, though, who was your negative three? It was one of the players that I was tossing up trading last week, and that's Georgia Patrikios coming off a 70 score against an expansion side on a pretty horrendous ground to try and score on. And with what looked like a decent enough role, I held, knowing that there was still a lot of value potentially there. And then she serves up a stinky score in the 50s. Did not look like she was really up for the contest in a game that was, by the second half, just a cakewalk for St Kilda. They were just everywhere, all over the top of Hawthorne. And Georgia had no part of it. Yeah, you really expect better because a lot of the other Saints midfielders were getting a lot of it as well. So pretty disappointing there. 
Mel, how about yourself? So I gave my plus three to Tani White, so I brought her in last round, and I'm really glad I did because I loved her, loved watching her in season six, loved having her on the pod uh, in the off-season, and was really happy that I brought her into my team, mostly because I just get so much excitement out of watching her. The reason why she's got my plus three is because she was one of the only ones that did over 100 in round one and actually backed it up with a decent score in round two. So her uh, getting a 92 in round two and Parker 126 in round two were the only ones that really impressed two weeks in a row because you've got your Hoskins that was disappointing on 49, McAvoy on 42, Maloney on 29. So I'm actually really glad that out of the high performers in round one, I feel like I picked the right one at least for now. Who did you not enjoy watching this weekend? Who was your minus three? Yeah, so it's got to go to Carney because when I was making my team initially, I was tossing up, do I go Schleicher, do I go Carney? I went Carney and I'm starting to think I picked the wrong player because she's not doing so well. And I also, you know, really enjoy Schleicher. So I picked the player I liked watching a slightly less on field. And I think that karma's coming back to bite me. So not sure what I'm going to do with her this week. But yeah, not loving it. Yeah, that early season concussion really, really did a number on a lot of coaches. Will, how about yourself? Your plus threes and minus threes for the round? Uh, like pretty much everyone, Elise Parker, I am so happy with how she's going. I've been been talking her up all preseason, and to see her come out with 200 scores just warms my heart. Uh, but just, just to be a bit different, my other plus three was Ash Riddell. The only reason I, I didn't give her the first plus three was because I foolishly didn't make her my captain this week after her 71 last week but to see her back out there getting the kicks doing everything really filling out that stat line made me very very happy you'd be one of the few people that can actually put her in your plus three because i don't think she was that highly owned yeah i think that uh, most people went for the adelaide big guns so that was part of the reason i picked her in the first place always nice when a unique goes well indeed how about the other side of things the other side of things is basically a repeat of last week, which is I decided to trade out Mon Conti to get some money by bringing in Jackie Yorston. And while I still think Jackie Yorston is going to be a good player for the rest of the year, to go from the 105 of Mon Conti to the 33 of Jackie Yorston really cut me deep. And much <laughs> like we were talking about earlier, if I hadn't have done any trades, I would have been 70, 80 points better off as a result. So that one hurt me. Yeah, she she was phenomenal, Monconti, against Adelaide. Almost got them over the line. Oh, absolutely. Just, I mean, it was the reason I picked her in the first place. She's just phenomenal to watch. <laughs> and I was just worried about her losing money. And to be fair, even with 105, she still did drop a little bit of money this week. But I probably would have preferred the 105, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, I've, I've joined you there. My minus three is also going to go to a port midfielder, Maria Maloney who came in and plopped down a, a 29 on the field. That was that was awful. And worse still, I spent all week talking up Tamara Smith, how she's a tackling machine. If she doesn't have those eight free kicks against, she's going to go well. And she did. But I put her on the bench because I brought Maria Maloney Oof. into my team. I reckon you're not going to be alone there with Maria Maloney. I think she was one of the most traded in players this week. So a yeah. lot of disappointed coaches there. We're going to have a big discussion about the Port Adelaide team a little bit later on. On the other side of things, I mean... I'm not going to keep harping on about Elise Parker, so I might switch my plus three this week over to Jazz Garner. Jazzy. When you pay up for your F1, you're really hoping that you know they deliver, and Jazz Garner has done exactly that. I think she has 20 coaches' votes at this point and is just flying. Yeah, I, I spent all of uh, that Friday night bemoaning picking Garner as captain over Adele, to which the rest of you very rightly said, 92 is an excellent captaincy score. So I can't complain too much. But yeah, Jazz Garner, absolutely doing exactly what you want for that very highly priced forward. Yeah. I love, Will, that you're having a whinge about your captain, even though they were the 15th highest scorer for the round. I will have a whinge about anything, Liam. You should know this by now. <laughs> the, the pick was fantastic. It was just so frustrating because, once again, this was one of those cases where if I'd just done nothing to my team, I would have done better. Because I had Riddell as my captain last week. Sounds like Jono in the final round of AFLM last week. Oof. Let's not talk Whoa. about that one. Let's not I, talk I about hell. that one. That's <laughs> just from the top rope. Just decide, decide to throw a grenade in there. So. Yeah, I think, I think I've made like six worst trades for six rounds in a row now. It's just, it's doing my head and I can't oh, get a call. Mel, the man barely cracked 950 and you're coming from just... <laughs> Oof. 
That's kick a bloke while he's down, why don't you? Really clocked him one. Let's move on on that note. Let's, let's <laughs> moving on. Moving on faster than that. I think jumping into some trade talk here, this was a very, very strange round. It was almost the complete inverse of the previous round with a lot mm. of players that scored really, really well in round one, did not do so well in round two, and the premiums that failed to fire in round one have come in and just popped up some huge scores for us in the second round. So, And starting with defense, I think there's one player that is honestly potentially that important that we all need to have on our sides immediately, and that's Molly Eastman from the Sydney Swans. Playing off that half-back line, she's come out and put up a score over 80 this week, which from a, a basement starting player is enormous. She's got a break-even of minus 25. Is she that important that we have to bring her in? Yes. Yep. I, I also want to throw this out there because this is another case of Will having a whinge, which is I had her in every single draft of my team except for my last one. And I absolutely hate myself for taking her out of there because she, as you say, Liam, is you, you just got to get her. Like at this stage, she is quite clearly the best defender rookie we've got. Yeah. And it's also the fact that she had five kick ins this week and she played on from all of them. That is a perfect, you know, 15 extra points. And after she did four last week doing exactly the same thing, that role is definitely there. She's clearly the player that City want to have the ball coming out of the back. And then it doesn't go much further outside of that and then come straight back in. So she's just been everywhere in those first two weeks. And it isn't against two particularly dominant sides either. I anticipate it's something that will continue. The role certainly feels a lot safer than a few of the other highly traded in pre- uh, rookies from last week. Isla Sheeran's gone from a 73 down to a 29. Oh, it's yeah. uh, It's been a bit painful there. 26, in fact. 26 even. Oof. Well, look, my, my question here is, who who are you moving on from a defensive rookie to bring in? Because last week, I thought Erica Roche, not the player that you want on your team, she's done very, very poorly with a 17, traded her out for Isla Sheeran, and then she's gone out and put up a score over 50. So who are we actually comfortable moving on? Just to go back, I'm actually just going to take the opposite stance here <gasps> because I feel like I didn't jump on the Maria Maloney train Ooh. last week when everyone was like, absolute must-have. Her ownership went up almost 14% last week off the back of that one game. If Eastman does the same thing and then potentially flops, yeah, she's got that cash-gen option, but she's going to be she's already quite highly owned. She's going to be even more highly owned and then potentially knock out half of the, half of the league. So at the moment, not actually planning on doing that. I might regret that later and I'll do it the week after, but... I'm, I'm interested by the fact that you think that not bringing her in is this potentially the safer option in case she flops. Because if if you bring her in and she flops, everyone flops with you. And makes money doing it. Yeah, exactly. She literally has to just play and she makes money. She doesn't have to touch the ball. But if she plays and she plays well and you haven't brought her in and everyone else has, then they're taking off in terms of cash generation way beyond you. So I would have thought the risk is that you fail with the rest of the comp or get an amazing player rather than everyone else gets an amazing player and you get nothing. The only thing I'm going to say to support Mel here is that I am planning on bringing her in and that's usually a bad sign. So... That's what we'll see. I guess something that I think, Jono, you're about to get to is who are you going to take her... Who are you going to get out of your team to bring her in? And there's been some players this week that we've all sort of got in our teams that are prime candidates to move to Molly Eastman. So do you want to talk about that, Jono? I think I'm very uncomfortable moving on a lot of rookie defenders at the moment. Mm. Some some have scored uh, you know, well in one week and poorly in the other. And I suppose the question is, which way are they going to fall? So take Erica O'Shea as the example here. In the first round, North just destroyed the Gold Coast Suns and the ball barely was in their back half. So she didn't touch it at all. Next week, they play... Melbourne Demons, you know, they're a very highly contested game. Balls come up and down. And she actually looked fantastic. She's an amazing tackler for her size. And I think if if I hadn't traded her out, I would be very happy with her right now. <laughs> yeah. Basically the opposite of Vicky Wall, where she looked super in, a, in the forward line for North, but when the ball wasn't down there as much against Melbourne, struggled a bit. So there's probably some underperforming players in that middle price bracket that you'd probably be more comfortable with. An example of that is Meg McDonald, who she's started the year quite well. The reason she didn't score against Freo was the ball was just not down there at all for pretty much the entire game. So it's a player like that that 
if you think I've probably done my dash with that, kind of what we were saying last week with moving down uh, Casey Sheriff to Libby Birch last year, if you think you've earned a couple of easy money from a mid-pricer that you think you can get better value out of Eastman, I think that's not a bad idea. And unfortunately for you, John, I was both a Hawk supporter and possibly her biggest supporter. There's a really big one in that Hawthorne backline that I think you're going to have to move on to possibly Eastman. Well, there's a few underperforming defenders across the board, quite frankly. But the one here, Lou Stevenson, uh, unfortunately did an ankle injury very early on in that first quarter. Only put up the score of three. And gave away a free kick on it as well. Mm. Ouch. Mm. So the question is, you know, if you've got Emma Carney or Meg McDonald or Lou Stevenson, are you moving them on? And if you are, where are you going? Starting with Lou Stevenson, have to trade. Uh, Meg McDonald, are we trading or spading here? I'm currently trading just because of the way I'm working the rest of my structures, but I think she's one that you can spade. I think that she'll probably be better against some more difficult opponents in the coming weeks. But if you do decide to move her on, I don't think it's the worst decision. I don't think there's a huge amount of money to be made for Meg McDonald. I think you can afford to spade Meg McDonald, if only because they're going to hit North Melbourne and Geelong in yep. the next two weeks. And we've seen what defenders can do for those teams. In particular, like if you think Molly Eastman is the player that you know is going to get the ball in the defensive line at Sydney against Collingwood, imagine what Meg McDonald is going to be able to do. Like. Mel, what about Emma Carney? She's one that you're, you've given a negative three to this week. Oh, I'm not too sure. I think I might have bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. This is a tough one. Yes, Mel, you've come to today's episode with actual problems as opposed to last week. <laughs> yeah, so I've got Stevenson who has to go, but I also think the second defender trade I might make above Carney is Verrier. Again, she's a very stressful 55, <laughs> even though she's consistent. I should have traded her earlier. Oh, for that dollar, I reckon you can just do a bit better. So I'm thinking about Randall instead of, say, a Carney to a Schleicher, because I'm going with, although disappointing, don't mess with your premiums attitude. So I could go a Carney to Schleicher, but am I just moving from one premium to another? Instead, I'm going to go Varia to Randall and Stevenson to question mark, see if I can be convinced on Eastman, but currently... I'm thinking Heaney. Bring in O'Shea again. <laughs> <laughs> just just to quickly uh, jump back on that, I think Emma Carney was tagged that entire game by Casey Sheriff. And particularly in the yeah. second half, Sheriff was all over it. I think she only had the four points after half time. So I don't expect that to happen every week. So I'm I'm very happy spading there. But if we are trading one of Stevenson or McDonald, I like that you've brought up Randall as I suppose the best you know, if you're going to take her up, I think Randall is your best option. I, I My thought is that I'm always going to be happy to talk up Chelsea Randall, thanks to my preseason call. Um, but she, she's looked fantastic across this uh, early part of the season. She's moving through the midfield, not necessarily playing as a midfielder, but getting up the ground. She's playing that everywhere role that for her is weirdly a good thing. A lot of players, when they do that, kind of like a Kindy Howarth at Gold Coast, it doesn't suit them. But for, for Randall, just being around the ball, she's just so intense and at trying to get the footy that it really suits her i think the only other one would be izzy pritchard who we talked a bit about last week but i think that's one that i'd probably look forward to the fixture for she's got that midfield role and that's probably only going to be more cemented now that um britney goodnecht has had one of the most horrendous injuries you'll ever see yeah once again hoping all the best for, for her and uh speedy recovery don't watch it don't don't watch it not a good one have you seen a tip feed break before you've seen them all you don't need another one in your life yeah understandable <laughs> just quickly on Pritchard still only about two percent owned so bit of uniqueness there if you are looking to move Pritchard but I'm always going to talk up Ruby Slasher I talked her up all of last season I've talked her up all of this year and I think she's quite clearly the best defensive option you can get I think that if you can pay up for her now you're not going to be worse off but I also think she is a player that is probably going to stay around the same price for most of the year meaning that if you can't get her now, you can go get her later. She's one of the only players I've seen where her price stat is 81 and her break-even is 81. Yeah. So she's just... Yeah, I think she's going to pretty consistently pump out scores between 70 and 90 this year, which is going to put her in the in the top, if not the top defenders. So I think the problem with trying to bring her in this week is that it probably requires two fairly substantial downgrades to mm. either take 
a mid-price defender up as compared to trying to take uh, Emma Carney up. If you can't afford to go up, then we're going down, right? We're bringing in the, the value rookies here. I think three of us agree that Molly Eastman is your pick, but we've got one dissenting member, and it's it's one that I think I need to apologize to as well. I cut a whole five-minute segment <laughs> on Alex Ballard last weekend from Mel. Mel, why don't you, why don't you repurchase Alex Ballard? <laughs> Look, for a recap of those of you that didn't hear it, which is everyone... <laughs> the entire <laughs> listenership. <laughs> we were talking about specky picks or just who, who we think is a potential, and I went Alex Ballard. I didn't say it super confidently, and I was met with some confused faces, but I went for it anyway. Just looking at her price per dollar potential going into last round, she was flagging up on my kind of <laughs> scoring model as, as the must-have pick there. And even though there were some other defenders around in Port Adelaide that had previously shown decent scores, it was Alex Ballard that ended up picking up most of the points. Now that she's shown uh, that she can do that with her fantastic score of 61 last round, she's got a negative six break even. She's still quite lowly priced at 38 grand. If you're looking for a low, low downgrade option, she could be a fantastic one to pick. She was amazing. She was the top scoring Port Adelaide player on the day. She takes kickouts and the ball basically lived in that back half. Very impressive, and she's also 10K cheaper than Eastman. So if that role does continue and she can score in that same ballpark, you might be getting yourself a steal. So I'm back to my preseason role, and I've got the red flag up. Do we want to have a guess at how many kick-ins she took on the weekend? Seven. Ten. Nine. That's a lot of extra points, and that doesn't happen many times. That was the most of kick-ins anyone has taken. We were pumping up Molly Eastman, and she's had nine for the season. My random specky pick for this week, seeing as I had to come up with a new one since my ballad comment got cut, (laughs) is Elizabeth Keeney, who, until I hear otherwise, I'm bringing into my team instead of Eastman. And here's why. She has only played one game, so she played last round. I really hope she gets listed, otherwise my whole plan falls apart. (laughs) But she seems to have taken that wing role off Daisy Darcy. She got 64 in her first round, meaning her break-even is now 24. And I know that's not, you know, just rock up on the ground and your break-even's negative 25 and you're going to make money. But in terms of her historic scoring, she's only got below 24, like, a couple of times. This is her third season. I'm hopeful that that means that she's going to be getting at least 24 and therefore cash gen, and she will be quite unique because she didn't play round one. Am I going to bring in her or Ballard or Eastman? Time will tell. Yeah, look... Last week when you brought up Ballard, I had so many red flags. I have just as many this week, and they're probably all <laughs> going to be wrong. So ignore this if you want, but I'm going to bring up a few. I'm assuming this red flag is just a giant Gold Coast flag. It is it is a Gold Coast flag because they no, played Brisbane, play Brisbane this week, and I'm pretty sure that Keeney was... Uh, they were only playing West Coast last week. West Coast just give up the points. And Keeney also kicked a goal against the, the Eagles. She's not going to do that against the Lions. I don't know if Gold Coast yeah. at all will kick a goal against the Lions. This is just full of red flags to me. But who who knows? This is the Mel magic that we, we had last week. May it ever continue. <laughs> just another flag on that 24 comment. In the five games she had pre- played previously, she had scored 24 or below four out of those five times. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bess Keeney as a player. She was... Vice captain of the Suns in season six. I think she's an excellent defender slash winger. I I'm hoping Mel's magic can come through here, <laughs> but I have my doubts. I can't wait for us all to be proven wrong. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna back it in. Let's do yeah, this. Three from three. Let's go. <laughs> you, you're both you're both bringing in Keeney. No, he's just verbally backing. I'm, oh, I'm he's verbally, verbally backing I barely back myself in Liam, so. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 move on to the midfield because this was the return of the back your premiums. Don't trade premium. Oh, <laughs> every year, every single bloody year, I do it. It always hurts me, and it just it. it I, uh, I I have no words for how much I hate it. <laughs> I knew Mon Conti was going to be great. That's why I picked her. And then when she scored one poor score, I'm like, well, see you later. And lo and behold, she scores 100 the week after. Will, do you remember the chat we had about this time last week where I said, why don't you just listen to yourself 
say to your future self why you're a bad coach and why the hindsight <laughs> pick was correct. I told you that past me was going to tell future me that future me was an idiot, and I was right. <laughs> because, because he was right. I just love a specky too much, I think. I think that's the biggest problem <laughs> for me. But yes, back your premiums, especially in the midfield, because one poor game does not a season make. Pretty much all of our premiums managed to fire last week. My question is on the flip side of things. We've looked at a lot of value players to come in last week, and a lot of them have really failed to fire. You've got Jackie Yorston coming in with a 33, Maria Maloney with a 29. These were two of the top five most traded in players for the round. Look, if you have brought in, let's say, a Sarah Hosking, one of these two Port Adelaide mids, or someone that had fired in the first round and has failed now, are we backing them in for another week, or are we just immediately backflipping on our decision there? If we go back to something you said earlier in the strategy episode around how our trades would be broken down, the fact that we only had 30 of them, I feel like backflipping wasn't a dedicated portion of our <laughs> trades. We did get six fix-up trades. Mel, 90% of my trades are backflips, so... <laughs> and that's why I wasn't on the strategy episode. <laughs> Your first two rounds, I think we're still in the fix-up, get your team to where you want it to be. Mm. But is this one where we're looking at those Port Adelaide midfielders and going, that round one was an anomaly. They've put up hundreds against the West Coast. So let's, let's start with Maloney and Yorston. Are we saying there that that's going to be their average? For Port, just generally, from the West Coast game, what really tilted that was the number of tackles they laid. I think they laid 91, 92 tackles, which is 20 mm. higher than the highest averaging team from last year, which was Fremantle. The other, the flip side of that is that from the game against the Dogs, the scoring was, on the whole, pretty low. I think that that really impacted the ability for Maloney and Yorston to kind of push to that 50, which you kind of would have felt like, oh, maybe I didn't fail too much. I think basically what this has shown is that between these two games... It's probably averaged out to what we can expect from these two. They're both averaging around about that 60 mark. In terms of do you back them in, I don't see any re like particular reason why you can't back them in. But I think we do need to temper the expectations after that round one because I think a few people did go and going, oh, Maloney and Yorston, they're going to average 80 to 90. And I think that was always a an unrealistic thing. But regardless, these two are still going to make money. If you, for whatever reason, did have someone that you were willing to trade out in your midfield or just going for a general restructure for whatever reason, who are the targets that you'd want to bring in in the midfield? I think there's a few lower price premiums that are still providing a little bit of a bit of value. Elise Parker is probably now just edging towards the genuine upgrade as opposed to middle tier. So if you're trying to get her in, now's probably your last chance before you really have to pay up. Another one who scored really, really well this weekend was Ellie Drennan. We know she can go really big. Got a tougher fixture coming up, though, Brisbane this week, but priced at around that 85 mark could be an interesting, unique pick. I'm not actually too worried about Drennan playing the Brisbane Lions just because she plays a very similar role as what Elise Parker did, and Parker just came out and put up 126 against them. Yeah, true. But it's more the outside players that I'd be a bit more worried by. True. She does have that ability to play both inside and out, so I think she's as likely as any player to put up a, a good score against Brisbane. You can go for a few of the lower price options in uh, Nina Morrison, who's not playing the most fantasy-friendly role, but Geelong are scoring pretty well at the moment. And Jono's basically made me say this one because this is the one I've been super keen on, is uh, Michaela Can from Collingwood. Priced at 70, scored an 80 this week in her first game back from an ankle injury. Currently owned by 0.1%. So a very unique pick. So one I'm certainly considering if I do want to go Yorston to a higher value player. Conti's also looking pretty good. Conti always <laughs> looks pretty good. I will say that. Well, look, hang on, hang on. Didn't we just do a segment saying, oh, probably don't need to trade them out. They're probably just going to average what they need to average. And Will's yeah. like, yeah, no, I'm really subscribed to the theory. Like Jackie Yorston... She's averaging about 68 yep. over these two games. Like That's probably what we reasonably could have expected for the season. She's out. Look, I, yeah. I think I think that you can possibly get up to from one of those two to a, a, a good premium, or if you think a, a player like a, a Drennan or a Michaela Can is the one for you, sure, do it. But Maloney and Yorson are going to keep making money, so I don't think you can go wrong with keeping those two in your team, even after the weekend that they had. Yeah, I, I do very much like the Michaela Can pick, and I'm glad that we've made you say it. There are no secrets on this podcast. Just before we move on, is Elise Parker a must-have, given in her next three games, she will hit Sydney, and then she moves on to West Coast? 
I mean, I thought Elise Parker was a must-have at the start of the season, personally. That's how keen I was on having her in my team. So if you can get her in at this stage, I think it's definitely worthwhile. But kind of like what we were saying about Slicer in that back line, moving, <laughs> moving around the money in that midfield is going to be tricky. Uh, we haven't really made enough money. You could go up from a Patrikios, who is oh, one of the most sure. highly owned players. That's just over 30k that you'd need to find from somewhere. And I think that's probably the only play. Unless you've got someone else in that that price range, I think anything below a Patrikios, you're going to struggle to make the money up there. I think it's almost, you're going to be trading to bottom price players in the hope that they play later. I'm surprised that Patrikios is still, as of right now, 32.7% owned. I definitely thought she would have been a... A very high trade-out target after last week. She just wasn't the biggest problem. I think the thing about it was, it was her first game back in a while. She was coming up against Hawthorne. It was the sort of thing where, like, you know what? A 70 in your first game back after missing a season, that's probably okay. I can un- I can definitely understand why a lot of people did hold her. It just hasn't quite worked out in this instance. Yeah, so if you got it, then absolutely trade. Yeah, if you can get her up to Parker, I like the play. I don't believe in the concept of a must-have in your midfield just because there are so many good options yeah. around, but I'm definitely a believer in, in trading that up. On the flip side, though, this is for the people who are in the situation where they can take Patrikios up, and that's 30k that a lot of coaches might not have. Let's say you wanted to, to take someone else down. Who are we looking at? I think the first one and the highest scorer of the week on the rookie line was Tamara Smith with a 74. She got a fantastic 74 for my bench. Nice. <laughs> she did literally the same for me. You know what? <laughs> I'm very happy because this is basically what's got me over the line this week is that I didn't pick the fantastic bench and I picked the right players on field. So, Tam Smith, <laughs> you look at that? come on down. <laughs> rookie roulette spinning its wheel once again. Ugh. I think after Smith, you've still got Abby Darrick. Very important pick. I, th- I think there's nothing to suggest that she won't keep scoring well, particularly given that Port's midfield really struggled to get a hold of it at all. The last one, I think, for me was Keely Skepper, who came in for Carlton this week. Probably a really good one if you do already have uh, Tamara Smith and Darrick last week because she played her first game this week. So a little bit cheaper at 38 grand. So one that you can probably move sideways to or a little bit down to. I think the problem with Keely Skepper is that she's playing a predominantly forward role. Mm. It just so happened that in the second and third quarters, there was just a whole lot of ball pinging around Carlton's half-forward line, which definitely helped and kind of dragged down the scores of some of Carlton's midfielders. I think the player that probably had a better role was someone like Hannah Stewart or Jeff Segenary, who still looks to be in and around the centre of that game, even if she is sitting a little bit behind. Actually, the one who I said no to last week... I'm very happy to to turn around on is actually Imogen Evans. With Michaela Can coming back in, I thought she would lose that midfield scoring ability, but still managed to put up a, a very good score. So she's also another one that you can consider. There's a lot of lowly priced or like, you know, were rookies in the midfield that have seriously negative break evens after two rounds already. So there's a lot of cash gem potential there. Um, I would just say that Abby Darrick and Hannah Stewart are both between 34 and 38% owned. I feel like the trade there might already be done for a lot of yeah. people. So good good to see you throwing out yeah. some additional names. If you haven't got Hannah Stewart in particular, I would not be jumping on. She's done that against two expansion sides and coming up against a little bit of a tougher run now. But we might move on here to Rucks. And, geez, our Ruck lineups are just taking a beating. Goodness me. <laughs> Crumbling. For those who haven't heard, Tamara Luke has gone down on one. She didn't, what we believe, uh, not yet confirmed at the time of recording, to be an ACL uh, in the first minute or so of the game, which means that between Tamara Luke, Fleur Davies, Georgia Borg, I reckon at least half the comp is going to be carrying someone who is not going to be active for the rest of the season. Is it a priority to trade them out, or is it a potential that we look to an early utility loophole? That was going to be my suggestion. (laughs) I'm not going to talk to the utility loophole, but for me at the moment, I would actually say, no, it's not a priority trade, simply because I would be waiting for another playing ruck to come along from the basement prices. I don't think there's a whole lot of point at this stage moving Tamara Luke sideways for a little bit of money up. I think at this stage, you've probably got bigger issues elsewhere that probably need addressing. 
I think that having someone earning you zero cash after round two is a big problem. We saw last year that once you downgraded one of your rookie rock rucks down to someone else who started, you still had time for them to make three weeks worth of cash. And I still see there being value in Cambridge McCormack, if only because there is no one else at GWS to take her ruck minutes. Versus the Wales twins, the Wales twins are both splitting substantially with other rucks and are getting physically dominated. That's a must for me. I don't think you can start planning for the loophole after round two. I don't think there's any doubt whether Cambridge McCormick is going to come in and score decently for your R2, but do you think that's a bigger priority given that she'll be on your bench for the rest of the season rather than fixing someone who's going to be on field? We know that part of the reason to run that ruck position is because it guarantees you cash generation and it just ticks away along in the background. Yeah, coming from my learnings of last season, so I had Anya Tig, and she was making me a lot of cash, but I couldn't really do anything about it. It was So cash gen in your R2 is a, a great idea, but to me it's not the most pressing thing. If my R2 is not earning me cash for one week, when I don't, you know, Cambridge McCormick is the only real potential that I see to trade to given I've already got a graph. I'm happy to leave her there for, not not the whole time, but one to two weeks. I don't need to be making a whole lot of cash gen because I'm going to be trading her down to a non-playing ruck for the utility loophole and then spend that extra money putting a, a better person on my utility. I wasn't really planning on doing this move if it wasn't for her not playing. Uh, I do agree that it's a bit early to be playing the utility loophole here, but it's kind of happened nicely for me. And it just sets me up for when I do want to do that, I don't have to trade out someone that I'm attached to because she's already... I think the unfortunate reality, at least for me, the way I'm doing it this week is I'm going to get more cash gen using other trades elsewhere. I'm probably not going to be sitting here there for the rest of the year. I will definitely need to get rid of her in the next couple of weeks at the latest. I can probably afford at best two weeks of missing maybe a small price increase on a player like... Uh, Cambridge McCormick who's actually more expensive anyway so you'd be having to get cash from someone it is definitely a risk it's just a risk that I'm taking in order to fix elsewhere I might just quickly explain for those who haven't heard what the utility loophole is before I'm just going to run through how how you would make it work for your team unlike the men's fantasy game we've got a very different bench set up here in fantasy for the AFLW if you've got uh, a player that misses your bench automatically covers it. And if your bench misses, your utility covers them, right? So it's an emergency for your emergency. So if both your first on-field ruck didn't play and your ruck emergency didn't play, then your whoever your utility is will then fill in those points for the round. The key thing is that your utility does not have to be a ruck for that to work. They can play any position, which means you could put in uh, a midfielder. So for example, last week, I, I didn't have Tamara Smith on my field. I could put Tamara Smith in my utility and player as my ruck if I had non-playing rucks. Obviously, it's a risk because you're generating a lot less cash. Much like last year, your ruck could come on last minute and it would cost me so many points because they score a seven or something like that. Is that that a Talia Gillard, I believe? Yeah, you really want to pick a non-playing ruck (laughs) that you know is not Gee, that was was hard. Hey, Fleur Davies is an option. Yeah, I mean, Tam Luke. True. This is the thing. If if you've got a player that's already non-playing and, you know, later in the season, if I wanted to employ this tactic, I don't want to have to use two trades to trade out my two rucks to do it. I don't mind the idea of having one sitting there not scoring already and the other one scoring until I'm ready to employ this method. Because then it does leave you later in the season, particularly with all these full lockouts. If we do have laid outs due to COVIDs on other lines, then you're going to be left with a zero somewhere else. My counterpoint as well, I felt comfortable that between Luke and McGrath, I could find a matchup that would work. So say, for example, Port Adelaide is playing St. Carlton this week and are up against Brianne Moody. I would be able to pick and choose who had the better matchup to be able to maximize my chance of scoring well. If I had a fourth trade, I'd be doing it. I agree. I think, much like Mel, if I had an extra trade this week to do it, I would certainly be doing it. I just The way I'm using my other trades this week just don't quite allow it. I, I, compl- I get what you're saying, and it is, it is definitely a high-risk play. I wouldn't be doing this if your team is in a good spot. And on a side note, I think one thing that we've seen, a lot of people have been asking about Tamara Luke going down, who is the, the ruck at Hawthorne now? Because she has been playing predominantly as the R1 there. I would not expect that Lucy Wales is going to be doing sole ruck from here on out. I think she's still going to share. It's just probably going to be with Tegan Cunningham now, who has rucked before at the VFLW level. She rucked for a time for Melbourne back in the day at the AFLW level. Very, very experienced and very physical in the same way that Tamara Luke is. Yep, I would agree. Well, 
Moving on then to our last line here, which is the forwards. And we have seen some standout forwards in the last couple of weeks. Jazz Garner and Ash McCarthy have both averaged over 90 across the first two rounds. I think a lot of us have Jazz Garner, but not all. Am I correct? Yes, no. I, am I the only one? I think you are. So I might direct this question to you then, Mel. Not starting with Garner here. It opens up a lot of options for the rest of your field, which is probably why you've done so well. Is it a priority for you to be getting in Garner, McCarthy, just on the basis that they're scoring so well? Well, I'm definitely not going to be chasing down Garner because she uh, costs a fortune. And although she is scoring very well, her break-even's quite high and her dollars per point, sorry, her points per dollar don't add up as someone to bring in if you don't already have her now. I have been running with Kate Hoare as my F1, who has been very good in round one and so-so in round two. But I think now that she's worth about a hundred grand and has got me some decent points, I'm thinking of upgrading from Kate Hoare to Ash McCarthy, who's slightly more expensive but has a much lower break-even. So she's going to be generating money no matter what she does, given her break-even is 47. I mean, she has to get 47, but that should be fine. That's a nice little clip there for next week. And she's running off this, a season average of 92, which yeah. is the same season average as Jazz Garner, even though she costs about 40 grand less. So I am going to be upgrading my F1 this round, but it's not going to be to Garner. I think if you started with her, fantastic. And I said in the forwards app before we started, if you don't start with her, she's probably going to run away from you and you're not going to be able to get her later. That's what's happened here, but I'm not spewing about it. Quick question for you here. You're jumping off Kate Hoare, and she is the sixth highest averaging forward right now. What's the logic there? Are you worried that she's going to have a bit of a downturn? I think she is probably going to stay at around the sixth highest averaging forward, um, which is fantastic. But I think one of the second or third highest averaging forwards is going to be Ash McCarthy, who is right now almost on price parity. So I think Hoare might be at her consistently high ceiling and I'm just hoping to do a little shuffle over to someone that I think is going to go up even further and we spoke about this when we were doing the um the forwards F around you know Garner's obviously the top one how do those other numbers play around and my suspicion is that Hoare drops and McCarthy goes up you switch across to McCarthy for the role she's playing as a pure midfielder whereas Kate Hoare is just that pinch mid it's also exciting to see that even if Ash McCarthy does play the traditionally non-friendly tagger role, she can also score very well. Absolutely. And a, and a very comfortable fixture coming up. I think we've got Essen and GWS and Fremantle in the next three. Oh, and Hawthorne after that. Well, so that's like such an easy schedule. The problem is that just like at some point, I just don't think they're very good. <laughs> <laughs> How do we feel, Jono, about our teams being included in the easy fixture lineup? <laughs> I think that you should be more uh, disappointed with that, Mel, given you made a prelim last year. Like, Jono sort of went in with a little bit of expectation on it, but Frio's just uh, fallen off a cliff. No words, just a sigh. Speaking of, I'd like to I'd like to thank the Fremantle Dockers for, for the game on the weekend to get my team Geelong to top of the ladder, so... I'll That's the biggest that. percentage boost you'll <laughs> ever get against a team that scored one. Jeez. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Mo. I have to say, I was really hopeful after, what, 23 rounds of the men's where everyone just talks, you know, stream mids against Hawthorne, stream mids against Hawthorne. And now it's happening exactly the same. <laughs> it's just another another 10 weeks to push through. Except the one mid that we needed to fire this week in Georgia Patrikios, we're like, oh yeah, we've got to keep her one more week. Stream, stream mids, mids against, against Hawthorne. Hawthorne. <laughs> this is the way to go, flop. <laughs> That's that's looking at the top, but I think that there's also some players that have really, really fallen. And that's Aaron Phillips and Gabby O'Sullivan. And they've fallen apart for very different reasons. Aaron Phillips mm. has been tagged yet again. We were hopeful it wouldn't happen. Relentlessly. But I think relentless tags, yeah. So two rounds in a row. And this past round, I think Liam, you were saying before, she had 100, 100% CBA. So it's not like she's not got the role. She's just not performing in it because she's getting so much attention. Gabby O'Sullivan, on the other hand, has been pushed forward. The ball for Frio, it's not getting forward of, of 50, so I think that right there is a is a big red flag for her. Is this an exception to the backy premiums? Yes, this role is not a premium role. I think, mm. they, but they sit in slightly different camps in mind. Gabby O'Sullivan, we saw when she has that midfield role, she can score like a forward premium. She was the highest scoring forward last year, but that's completely tied to the role it's not a sustained history of fantasy success 
Erin Phillips, and this was flagged in the Port Adelaide episode, she is by far and away the easiest tag target. Like, the ability to be able to tag a player like that is definitely important. What truly surprised me, though, with Erin Phillips is that quite often you see a way to break that tag is to have them sit forward, right? We saw that with Elise Parker trying to break the Cassie Spark tag up against Brisbane. The problem with Erin Phillips is she's that potentially dominant as a forward she can't break the tag because it will just follow her into the forward line. I, th- I think Phillips, of these two, Phillips is the one that I'd be more comfortable holding simply because I think that at some stage the tag will break. It is interesting, though, when we talk about premiums, that if you were to filter by season average, the new premium is Abby Mackay. So, you know, we were going to talk through some of the, Abby <laughs> the best value primos. Ash McCarthy was spoken about, Garner was spoken yeah. about. Abby McKay, does she count as a primo now? I'm going to say yes. It was actually the weirdest like concern that I had for McKay on the weekend was that Brian Moody was so dominant yeah. that they had first choice of ball almost exclusively and it meant there was no tackles to be had. They need <laughs> they need to play a non-expansion side and I think Abby McKay is going to go straight back up to that, that top, top scoring. Still did well. Six, 61, 61 is still a very passable score, especially at the price she was coming in at. So I wouldn't have too many concerns about McKay going forward. Not everyone can afford these top-line players. I think we all know that we're struggling to, to have any cash to move. So let's look at the other end of things here. Who are the value rookies that we're trying to bring in? I think we're all still very, very hot on Paige Scott. A little bit of a down week, but I, I don't see too many concerns going ahead for the next few weeks, particularly playing mm. against West Coast this one. Yeah, going to keep making money regardless. I think Ella Roberts also had a very good game against the Gold Coast. Was a little bit down, but I'm, I'm not too worried, particularly with West Coast's good run. After that, though... If you've already got those two, who are we targeting? I've got a question for the red flag man, Liam, finds the uh, the downside in everything. Heidi Woodley plays for the Bulldogs, forward price at 35.4 grand. She's got a break even of negative five, very lowly owned. She's coming up there right next to Gabby Newton. She's one I didn't see coming up there, maybe because I'm not a big Bulldogs fan. <laughs> Is there any red flags around Heidi Woodley and why you wouldn't pick her given she's 30 grand cheaper than uh, Gabby Newton with probably similar stats? Because she scored 13 in round one and quite often that's indicative of a problematic scoring pattern. Even for your bench? I think it's not a worst, it's not a bad option. I, don't, I think it's the worst trading option. I think I prefer Riley Wilcox from the Dogs. Wilcox is the one. She looks really She's good. the one I'm keen on. She's mm. playing a clear role on that wing. Uh, scored a 45 and then a 55, I think it was. So consistently in that range where if you need her as your M5, you're going to be pretty happy with that. Otherwise, making your money on the bench. I think if if you've already got a lot of these players and you are looking for a downgrade option, Woodley's not a bad one, especially because kind of like what you said, Liam, with that 13 in round one means that she hasn't jumped up in that price and should jump up in price this week based mm. on the 68. It's just a matter of, as you say, Liam, a problematic scoring trend of up and down. If you were going to ask about maybe a slightly less problematic scoring pattern, but again, didn't have a great round round one, I would prefer Joanne Doonan at the Doms. Doon. Who also had uh, above 50% CBAs for the second week in a row and did look pretty comfortable and wasn't the player that was they looked to push out when the Bombers brought Steph Kane into the midfield in the second half to try and put a bit of experience in there. Mm, I thought you were going to say Wall. Vicky Walls is in a similar boat, actually, because both both of them have sort of had that one up, one down. Vicky Walls the sort of player that we saw round one against Gold Coast. North Melbourne going well, ball in their forward line. She's going to score well. It's almost She's almost the opposite to Erica O'Shea, where it seems likely that if one of them does well, the other won't, simply because of the way yeah. they play. So I think they're all in this very similar similar basket where they're all going to make a bit of money I don't think any of them is going to necessarily be that much better than any of the others. So, One, one thing I will say for Vicky Wall is that well, she didn't get a lot of it based on the fact they were playing Melbourne and she's a forward, but she very much passed the eye test. I thought she looked sensational up there. They've got the Crows this weekend and might struggle again, but after that it's a much easier run and I very much expect Vicky Wall to go back to scoring quite, quite well. She's uh, <laughs> sitting comfortably on my bench this week, I think, Vicky Wall. <laughs> I'm going to throw two players out which are a little bit left field again. Bradfield, one of the Gold Coast Suns players, he's come in and debuted this week. This is a Liam pick, this one. Mm. This is a Liam pick. She's come out and scored a 50 first up. And the key thing is that she was getting into that midfield rotation for the Suns. One thing to note about this game, Jamie Stanton went down very, very early. 
and is potentially going to be out for the rest of the season. It could be an ACL. We're still waiting to confirm that. But if that is the case, then that could be a very, very cheap pick. The other one is, is even further left field. I think this is potentially too expensive to do, but Tegan Cunningham Ooh. might be coming into a ruck roll and is only priced at about 52000 k right now in the forward line. I don't hate the idea of bringing in Tegan Cunningham. I just... I still think that that's probably too expensive at this stage. I think that's more of a sideways than a downgrade. Yeah, it, it's one to watch this week because she still does have a break-even of about 23, which is too high. But if she goes well this week and gets the role we expect, I'm, I'm very keen for I, her I next week. I think we're also kind of forgetting Lauren uh, Tachemai-Zaghetti. She, again, hit a 43. She also got some very, very tough free kicks against. She still looked very good, has a break-even of two is the most consistent Sydney midfielder at the moment. I would still be considering Zaghetti over basically everyone that I've already, we've already mentioned. Well, I might move us on then to some captain choices because last week our captains did very, very well for us. I think number one captain choice, Anne Hatchard, has gone in the top 10 scorers for the round two weeks in a row now. The, the top 10 captains, they would have averaged about 98, 97, something like that, which is very, very solid. Liam, who are you thinking of making your number one captain choice this week? After she failed to make the top 10 last week, because I didn't know that she had this in her, I'm going to say that Elise Parker up against Sydney at the SCG, so not North Sydney Oof. Oval. I love this one. Yeah, no, it's a great pick. And that's the first time that Parker has ever played the Lions and not been tagged. It's happened three other occasions and Kathy Spark has tagged her every single time. And she dominated. So I like this pick coming in again. Yeah, she'll be my captain this week. All right, let's jump into some listener questions. The most commonly asked about player was Patrikios. Mm. First one here from Ben. Do you think Patrikios with an average of 63 is worth trading for McCarthy up forward, averaging just under 92? Jeez, if you can do it, absolutely. You can swing that one. Ash McCarthy <laughs> definitely looks the goods at the moment. Uh, injury replacements. I think we've talked about who to bring in for the injured Stevenson, but if you only had 35K to play with, who would you bring in for the injured Lou Stevenson? Oh, that's a great question. Thinking music on now. <laughs> I think the best option just for her low break even is someone that we advocated for trading out last week, and that's Erica Roche. Yep. Oh. Calm down. For that sort of money, she's just about the Look, only one. Yeah, she has a break even of two. No, she looks fantastic. I don't mind it at all. Back in defense here, Wayne is asking, firstly, he's just repeating his question from last week about <laughs> playing the expansion clubs. That's that's fine. Is Schleicher and rookies the best way to go in defense and spend up on other lines? I agree with the concept of having a premium and then having some of the other rookies and then spending up on other lines. Yes, I would agree with that. Schleicher, if you've got her already, I guess Carney, if you've got her already, um, because there are some great defender rookies out there around that 50 price that we've already spoken about, but like Foley, Eastman. I think that's probably the best strategy, but it's very hard to answer that question because it really depends with what base you were going into round two, round three. But we're on board three. with the theory here. That's the key thing. I'm a little bit sceptical of the theory in defence because I just don't know if there's enough rookies that can score you enough points. Mm. I just think you just can be playing a little bit too much whack-a-mole. Yeah, I, I think I agree with Liam on this one. I think in theory it's a nice idea, but I don't think it will pay off in the long term. I, I love some dissenting opinions. I'm, I'm almost with Mel on this one on the basis that I'd go the guns and rook approach back there. I don't think any of the mid-prices are really firing. So, But look, let's, let's jump on the next question here from Luke. Who should we replace Celine Moody with, Fuller or Wales, now that she could be solo rocker? This is Lucy Wales. I think Moody, to me, seems a low priority to trade out just on the basis they've got a good run coming up, but we will need to trade her at some point. We talked a bit about how Cunningham will probably come in, so I don't think that that's probably the play. Moody to Fuller is something that I'm very strongly considering this week. Fuller has come out and started scoring very, very well, so her break-even, I don't have it in front of me, but is very low. So I think if you are looking for a decent scorer with some money upside, Fuller's probably a, a good option if you are looking to trade Moody. But as Jono said, possibly not a priority given her run ahead. She has a break-even of negative, oh, yeah, of, there you of go. 17. Negative, negative 17. <laughs> Jesus, just just regular Break-even of negative 17. So I think with I think with Fuller, if, if that is a trade that you think you need to make at this stage, Fuller's possibly one of the better options for you to make some some quick money and maybe trade later her break even is 17 not negative 17 
But that was just Jono saying it incorrectly and then being a smart ass. Your point holds, but not that You heard it here first. (laughs) Olivia Fool's break-even is negative 300. Yep. For those of you that don't have Magic Up, no need. Just listen to Will. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not Magic Up, it's making it up. I'm happy to make it up. I I didn't even say that I had it in front of me. I was just saying she was a good money-making option, so... Uh, next question here from Jake is Ella heads an option in defense seems like she's taken the kick-ins and has a real crack passes the eye test she would be on field instead of Kennedy look this is this is one that's kind of frustrating because she does take uh, a good share of the kick-ins not all of them but a good share she looks fantastic she's actually not listed as a defender though she is listed as a midfielder Hmm. and there are potentially better midfield options for us I think if if it was up to me I would have Smith and Derek ahead any day of the week, but there's there's probably a few other options there. Bridie, Kennedy, Liam, trade or spade? Oh, she's a trade. This is an instance where I think the process yeah. was correct, just wasn't yep. filled by Bridie Kennedy. No, I, I think that's fair. Like, giving her another week wasn't the worst option. It just hasn't quite panned out in this case. So I think if you still do have Bridie Kennedy, she's definitely one that you could be looking to move on. Hayden here has asked, is it worthwhile chasing the break-evens, moving Fleming to either Tamara Smith or I imagine that's Imogen Evans? with my third trade or is it worth prioritizing moving Steph Wales off his utility to someone else under 44k I think Fleming down to Tam Smith is a great option Mm, yeah the other thing you could do is Wales to Evans Evans is under 44k yeah I think those are your two options Smith I think is the higher priority I would go for Smith but if you are looking to move a Wales out of your utility Evans is the way to go there Uh, the next question we've got here is from Anthony, best mid under 130k, uh, which is very, very unfortunate because that just misses out on Alice Parker. Probably makes it more interesting to, to talk about rather than all of us saying Elise Parker, Elise Parker, <laughs> Elise Parker. <laughs> to me, you've got a few options at the top there. Tani White, Alison Drennan, and Madison Prosparkus jump out as the obvious three to me. Uh, Tani White has played against two expansion sides, and I think we had a bit of divisiveness when we were chatting about this a little bit earlier. I would worry that Tani White's going to drop away a little bit just on the fact that she's got Melbourne coming up next and how is she going to fare against these better sides. But I think we might have some differing opinions here. Well, I've got Tani and I think she's going to do great, so I would recommend that. But I would also <laughs> recommend one you didn't mention, which is Amy McDonald, Amy who looked very good uh, in the Geelong game. And I was spewing when you guys were talking about McDonald in that game because I assumed you meant that you had Amy McDonald, uh, but alas... You were talking about Meg McDonald, but it gave me more <laughs> attention looking at Amy McDonald, and I was like, "Yeah, I reckon she'd be." Yeah, for me, Amy McDonald's the one that that I'm super keen on. Not just because I'm a Geelong supporter. We talked pre-season about if she can get a few extra marks, which means a few extra kicks. She's a player that can move that average from an eighty up to a ninety, and that is what we are seeing at least so far. Yeah, no, she's at one hundred and thirty-six k, whereas the you know we're Oops. trying to hit. Sub 130. There was only one criteria. I ignored it. Well, my other one is uh, the clear best midfielder under 130k is Brianna Davy. Problem is, she's not playing this year. So, I think in that case, I would probably say Prosparcus just. I just worry that she's going to come up against a tag in a few weeks' time. But right now, Prosparcus for me is the best option. That comment is for the 0.3% of people. That I <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I would bring in Manny Prasparkas. I would just temper expectations this week on the fact that she is going up against West Coast and we know West Coast run a tagger. Love it. Great. All right. Last final thing, guys. Let's chat our own trades before we go. For myself, I'm definitely doing a big backline restructure. So Lou Stevenson goes, Bridie Kennedy goes, uh, and they're going to go to Chelsea Randall. Very, very hot on her form. I think she looks fantastic. Uh, and then Molly Eastman as well. Seems a big priority for me. And to afford that, I'm going to be taking Patricios out of my midfield, taking her down to a midfield rookie, undecided whether that's going to be Imogen Evans or Keely Skepper at this point. 
In my current set of trade plans, I'm bringing in Eastman, a Ballard at the moment, even given my red flag. And then I've got about 136, 137k to bring in. I am very keen on Maddie Presbarkas, if only because the run she has in the next three games. She's got three easy matchups, given we've seen how she's been able to operate and kind of improve her game as the number one option at the Bombers. I think there is still some room for improvement there. She can push 100. And given what she's priced at, I think that's where, if I do stick with this structure, that's where I'll go. Mine's looking very similar. Uh, the the double shuffle in the back line, Stevenson out, Ferrier out, um, Randall in, question mark over Keeney versus Eastman versus someone else. Your girl, your girl, Ballard. Oh, Ballard, <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll decide how specky I'm feeling when I have to lock in my trade. She's just tried to... Buddy you up and then say jokes on you. I'm actually not taking her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see, we'll see. Um, and then very excited for my haul out McCarthy in. I was fortunate that I had 33 grand in the bank from last round, so I'm going to be using half of that uh, and leaving myself seven and seventeen and a half ish in the bank for next round. So I'm basically going to ignore all of my own advice and do a couple of really specky picks. Uh, the first one is a bit more standard. I'm going to trade McDonald to Molly Eastman. I might do the Celine Moody trade, possibly to Fuller, to get a little bit of extra money, both by trading her down and also in the future, which gives me a bit of money to get rid of the player that I told everyone to keep in Jackie Yorston up to a player like a Michaela Cam. Looking forward to Will being upset at Will next week for trading out Yorston. It's going to be great. Oh, golly. <laughs> That's going to do us for this week of the Free Kick Pod. Uh, keep an eye out for us on your socials and check out The Dub, uh, where a lot of good fantasy content is being put up, as well as regular AFLW news. You can find us at FreeKickWPod. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Steven. I'm on Twitter at LMTom1. I'm on Twitter and Insta as HiMLD. And I'm on Twitter at LaninaEffectFKW. Don't forget that lockout will occur before you get your Saturday teams. That's always a good reminder. Good luck for round three, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Yeah.